Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored Podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a health and mindset coach for women with autoimmune disease just like you. I absolutely love helping you tap into your self-healing power, uncover the energetic side of healing, and release limiting beliefs around your body and your life. Think of this podcast as everything you wouldn't hear at your doctor's office. It's a place for empowered souls to move beyond food and heal themselves on a soul level. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Now let's begin. Welcome to part three of this mini-series on food anxiety. Today I'm going to be talking with Brie Hansen. She is a female empowerment coach who helps women find their voice and leave self-sabotaging behaviors behind for good. She also has a very powerful story to share with you all today. I can't wait for you to hear it, so let's get started. Hi, Brie. Welcome to the show. You are a female empowerment coach and you help women find their voice and release their self-sabotaging behaviors. But I would love to start with your own story around food. So can you share with us what you've personally experienced in your own healing journey with food? Sure. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm Brie and my journey with healing my relationship with food started about eight to nine years ago. Um, I was, I'm a short little gal. I'm about five foot zero. And at the time I weighed 265 pounds and that weight was extremely painful to carry around. 
it limited, you know, life in general. I it made working hard. It made making friends difficult because I was very shy and very introverted. Um, but most of all, I really was very unhappy with myself mm-hmm. with all of that weight. I, I came from a history of being bullied as a child. I came from a history of kind of feeling alone as a child. And I feel that, um, you know, the weight was really kind of a mask to hide myself from the world. Mm-hmm. And I was actually on a journey to become a police officer. And so I decided I need to figure this out. I have to be able to help other people. And if I can't even help myself, how am I supposed to help other people? Yeah. So um, I started the really long journey of turning my life around when it came to food and fitness. And I, I got in with CrossFit for a while. That was my, my exercise regimen for about six years. Mm -hmm. And I slowly started losing the weight. Um, and in the process of losing, I I lost 135 pounds and I've been able to maintain that. So it's been about eight years from start to now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, throughout that process, I learned that I could lose the weight, but I still wasn't exactly healing my relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And it actually took many years of some therapy that I had to go through in order to realize that food was my crutch when it came to emotional trauma. Mm -hmm. Food was what I turned to when I was stressed out, when I was upset, when I was being abused by different people in different relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, There were just things in my life that I always turned to food for. And it really wasn't until my ability to eat food was taken away from me before Mm -hmm. I figured out that's what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, um, that was a coping mechanism for you was the food. Absolutely. Absolutely. Emotional eating. And do you feel like at any point, like the, the weight that you were carrying, you know, physically and emotionally, right. As we learn, um, was like protecting you from anything in your life? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, I feel like the weight was always keeping me safe from revealing my true self to the Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I didn't feel comfortable with who I really was. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel like I was enough. Mm -hmm. And so if I was to be my full self around people, then that's becoming quite vulnerable. And that also means that I would potentially fail at something in front of them. So Mm -hmm. I didn't want to try anything new. I didn't want to put myself out there. I wanted to just hide under that veil of 265 pounds because that kept me comfortable and safe. Mm -hmm. You know, not comfortable like physically because it was very (laughs) painful, but emotionally comfortable because I knew what life felt like at 265 pounds. Mm -hmm. I I had no idea what life would feel like healthy because my entire life since age nine, I was obese. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just want to honor and acknowledge you for a moment because that's such an amazing accomplishment. But like you said, it's like, that was not, you can lose weight and you can still be unhappy. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like what you discovered was I can go to CrossFit and I can sweat buckets and I can, I can lose this weight, but 
there's still some deeper layers that were there for you. Can you talk a little bit about, um, number one, what inspired you to actually go on this journey? And then also kind of what was below the surface as far as like some limiting beliefs as well? Yeah. Um, what inspired me to first go on the journey was a desire to do more with my life. Mm-hmm. I, wanted to, I wanted to give back to people um, throughout my childhood, my family had been a victim of a really devastating crime and it actually never really got resolved. Mm-hmm. And I felt that something has to be done for people like us, people who never really seek, get the justice that they need for their family. And so I felt like I was being called to be a police officer at one point in my life. And I have a criminal justice degree now. And that's what mm-hmm. I went to school for. So I was like, well, if I'm going to be a police officer, I have to be healthy. I got to figure this out. So that's what initially started it, but then it really transformed into what is my life's purpose and what am I really doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, it became more of a bigger picture um, scenario for me. And, and also I, I was a new mom at the time. My daughter was almost two when I started my weight loss journey. And um, I realized I really want to be around for her. I don't feel comfortable playing with her on the floor. I can't chase her around the house now that she's walking. I was in pain all day long and I couldn't be present with her. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to get better for her and for me. Mm -hmm. And, And so you also struggle with some chronic illness issues that play a part in you making some of these changes in your life as well. It did, um, but I kind of, it got worse before it got better. Uh So what I've been um, hypothyroid since I was nine years old, and I had been on the traditional Western medicine regimen of, um, you know, Synthroid medication, different, different T3 medications, and um, it all of a sudden just stopped working. I was really fatigued. I was really sick. They thought I had fibromyalgia at one point. They thought I had rheumatoid arthritis, like all these random pains within my body. And um, I was extremely foggy with, with memory and with brain. Like I couldn't concentrate. I was mm-hmm. always, not, always forgetting things and um, started losing my hair more. My skin was really dry. So typical symptoms of, of your thyroid being completely out of whack. Yeah. <laughs> and, and um, in the midst of that, I started getting a lot of GI issues and they thought maybe I was developing Crohn's at one point and it was just kind of snowballing into a big mess. But what people didn't realize is in the midst of all of that, I was actually going through some really intensive trauma therapy for sexual abuse. So I had hidden that part of my life because again, you don't want to be vulnerable with your story sometimes, but, um, I was actually sexually abused by a boss. And I also went through a period in my, my former marriage that involved that as well. And so, um, while I'm sitting here trying to fix my weight and, and have a better relationship with food, have a better relationship with my body, I'm also opening up the door to a lot of emotional trauma by, by getting, um, sexually abused and having, having these issues. And meanwhile, my health is spiraling out of control. So it was just, it was just a big um, cluster of things happening all at once. Mm -hmm. And um, I finally found some practitioners that would help me. I decided 
the Western medicine doctors were not listening. They didn't understand. So I went to a naturopath and had a bunch of tests done. And he's the one who found out that I was autoimmune thyroid, that I had leaky gut. I had all of these things that I know you're quite familiar with. And um, I started to try to really look at my relationship with food even further because mm-hmm. I, knew, I knew what it was like to cut calories and, and lose weight. But I also learned that I was doing it in a very unhealthy way. And mm-hmm. I started to develop a lot of anxiety over what I was eating. And I had to track everything. I had to know what I was eating. And it was this major panic if I couldn't figure out whether I was fitting into the box of the calories I was supposed to eat that day. Yeah. So, um, sorry. I don't know where I'm going with this. That's um, okay. The, the part, so autoimmune, so many people say food is medicine, food is medicine. And I truly believe that food is medicine, but with a history of emotional eating and then having to, have you done an elimination diets now oh. since then? Yeah, um, so- I have. Yes. Okay. I've, I went through a pretty strict, um, I'd want to say four months of doing Whole30 uh-huh. for a while to try to really understand what was triggering some of these symptoms of pain and inflammation in my body and the mm-hmm. thyroid function. Um, and while I learned a lot going on various elimination diets, I, I did paleo, Whole30 zone, all, all those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, it really got me into kind of a dark place with food mm-hmm. because I, I felt like if I was not completely conforming to this list of do's and don'ts when it comes to food, that I was going to fail, that I was going to get sick again, that it wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. But yet I felt completely smothered under this elimination diet protocol. Mm-hmm. I felt like I couldn't breathe. And every single time I went to go eat, whether I went to a grocery store or, oh goodness, eating out was like a complete panic trigger Mm -hmm. because I felt like I couldn't do anything. I felt like I was a prisoner in my own body. And if if I wanted to feel better, I had to eat this way. And Mm -hmm. if I didn't, then I was going to get sick. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like that actually continued even after I wasn't physically um, affected by the food, mm-hmm. the reason. And because at one point my doctor said, well, maybe you're celiac. We are at least non-celiac gluten sensitive. Mm-hmm. So I would almost panic anytime I thought that there was gluten in something I was eating. Yeah. And it, it just really, it became a problem with relationships. It became, it became a problem with just relaxing as a mother with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, meal prepping was a nightmare because I always had to make special food mm-hmm. and it just felt like I, I had no control over it. It was really, it, it just would really trigger me into a panic attack almost. Yeah. Constantly. It's, I, I think that some practitioners might miss that in that uh, there's obviously benefit in elimination diet and Whole30 and you read all the testimonials and the amazing uh, transformations that people have had on social media and everything. And there's, there's purpose behind these ways of eating, 
But there's also, I think, um, this unintended uh, effect that, that they potentially can have for some people, which is then it creates all this anxiety around food. On a previous conversation, I was saying that in my personal experience, it was like I labeled nightshade vegetables as evil and, and inflammatory. And Inherently, there's nutrients in those vegetables, but because AIP says don't eat them, it's like, okay, never eat them ever again, when that's not really um, the point of an elimination diet, right? It's not meant to be forever unless you have an an allergy. So Mm -hmm. this history of emotional eating and then losing a lot of weight and and having that amazing accomplishment for you and your health, but then then having these autoimmune um, issues and symptoms that then are partially treated with food is this really complicated web of of your relationship with food. And so mm-hmm. Bree, how how have you navigated some of that? Because I know you're not the only person who's experienced that. I'm sure people listening are saying, yes, that's me too. I struggle with this relationship with food when it feels like I'm trying to eat only certain things or I'm trying to lose this weight. So um, what are some of the, the ways that you've healed your relationship with, with food or, or maybe begin to eat more intuitively? So the way that I can best describe it is that every single morning I wake up and I set my intention for the day Mm -hmm. and food is always a part of that intention. Mm -hmm. This has become something I have to be very disciplined at because it's still not second nature. As, Mm -hmm. As much as I have healed my relationship with food, and I don't view it as an enemy anymore. Um, my default in my mind is that food is a crutch. Food is evil. Food is, is going to make you feel bad. Mm-hmm. Even, and, and even if I'm talking about fruits and vegetables, there are still things in my mind that are just twisted mm-hmm. <laughs> because of this journey that I have to, to bring myself back to my truth. And my truth is that the food is, is just almost like positive energy that I'm bringing into my body. Mm-hmm. And if I am making healthy, clean-ish choices mm-hmm. with my food, it's going to serve me well. Mm-hmm. And so every day I have, I have a list of truths that I tell myself and I have a list of items that I forgive myself for. And mm-hmm. so I basically go through a list and I've, I've actually recorded myself doing it because I've heard that if you hear your voice talking to yourself, it's more effective. Yeah. So um, that I basically say, for example, I forgive myself for viewing food as evil. Mm-hmm. My, my truth is that food is nourishing me today. Yeah. And things like that every day remind me that it's okay to partake in these things. It's okay to want to celebrate with food, but I do it in a different way now. Food is, is just food. It's not a crutch anymore. Mm-hmm. And the hardest thing about that was giving up the, the, the feeling that food would give me that I knew was constant yeah. because I know how I'm going to feel after I eat a donut, mm-hmm. for example. I don't always know how I'm going to feel if I choose not to eat the donut. Right. Yeah. And that uncertainty can be very scary for people when they're mm-hmm. on their journey and they're learning how to reinvent the relationship with food. Yeah. And you, you have to become 
content inside and know that you're going to be okay making those choices that are better for you than what you're familiar with that are comfortable. Mm -hmm. Two things are coming up for me right now. The first is just this control, right? And so it has to do with the certainty you were just talking about. It's like, I know the way that the donut's going to make me feel. Therefore, I can control the feelings that I get from it. I can control the way I feel. And I think so many of us are simply seeking control over something in our life when probably a lot of things, depending on your family history, just your life up until this point have maybe felt out of control. Um, and the other one, I just completely lost my train of thought on, <laughs> but I want, I want to talk a little bit about yeah. that control because I think that, oh, I know what I was going to say. So I think oftentimes then also the food is then replacing something like control. So when we eat the donut and we know it's going to make us feel satisfied or whole or complete or happy or whatever that, you know, that feeling is, it's like the food is that emotion for us. So I see it oftentimes as like, okay, what are the things that we're not receiving in our life, like control or love or happiness or acceptance that we're trying to get from food that we can get from other places in our life? Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what are the things that, that food was, was the void that food was trying to fill? And like, do you have any examples of your own, uh, in your own story of where you then found that, that same emotion or feeling or fulfillment in a different way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, food was fulfilling the desire to feel loved. Loved. Mm-hmm. In, and I think that's very common for many people who are emotional eaters because there's something that is familiar about food and something that's always constant about food. Mm -hmm. the, those emotions that it gives you are, are always going to be there because mm -hmm. it's, it's like a trigger to your brain. It's mm -hmm. like drugs. It's, it's exactly Especially like sugar, right? Yes. Sugar is a huge one. Yeah. Yes. And um, – it actually wasn't until the ability for me to eat and drink was taken away from me by a disease called achalasia, where I was forced to truly get down and dirty with my relationship with food mm -hmm. in a whole nother level. Like it was past the ability of weight loss and fitness and getting healthy. It was more on the terms of survival. It was I can't eat these things that I used to want to eat and I can't drink the things that I used to want to drink. So what am I going to do with those emotions? Mm -hmm. And I felt completely lost. I felt like my identity was gone. I didn't understand how to deal with these emotions because there was a huge void. Mm -hmm. And when I realized how big of a hole food was filling for me, it was almost shame like I felt ashamed mm -hmm. and because I had put so much um stake in into food for me and, and because I wasn't willing to deal with the emotions that came behind it and that was just me not loving myself mm -hmm. I really felt like I was not good enough um I felt like I was not going to be loved by someone who loved me for who I was and I guess you, you just want to hide. And so food, food helped me hide. But then I got to a point with this, this disease that I, I couldn't hide anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, 
I, I was able to heal those feelings by turning to inner work. Mm-hmm. Um, think, things like your intuitive soul school, things yeah. like meditation and yoga and understanding more on the emotional side of essential oils, things like that, that brought me peace. Yeah. That is what has filled that hole now for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's other things that can bring you that same feeling of love or peace, um, self-love that are outside of food, but like your body literally like forced you to learn that, right? By saying, hey, like if you want to live, if you want to be alive for another 50 years, like you have to start changing the way that you eat. And I think it's it's um, just this very... The words aren't coming to me to describe this, but it's complicated, I guess, because food, unlike an addiction to a drug, is something that we still have to eat every single day. Yes. And that, that I actually have some private clients of mine who unfortunately have gone through a life of addiction. And uh-huh. now we're working on their relationship with food because that's the other addiction in their life that they can't quite kick. Yeah. But you can't just stop eating, right? Right. right. Like it's not like drugs or alcohol where you you can stop cold turkey. You you say no, no more. This is Mm -hmm. it. Well, food is your livelihood. Food food is what keeps you moving. Mm -hmm. So how do you be disciplined but loving towards yourself with something that can be just as bad, if not worse, than than these other things? It's a very complex dance that you have to do every single day and and it's a choice that we make every single day on Mm -hmm. if we're going to to nourish our body Mm -hmm. or continue to punish it yeah uh in my case I, i feel that i've had to release this attachment to food uh i was definitely a sugar addict and you've heard my story in pieces but i no longer eat sugar uh and I learned a lot after, through the process of not like removing the sugar, it was like, what is the sugar doing for my brain that it, like I am so addicted to? Like, what is it filling within me? And then where can I find that in another way? But um, in, in the people that I know and personally in my life who are recovering um, either alcohol or drug addicts, it, it's, it's, um, interesting that that then they've they've said this to me it's not just something I observe that then they really love like dessert or they really love sugar or they really love pop or soda and it's like just uh, you know it's different um and it's it's not it's not necessarily as harmful depending on you know what it is but I, I think that then it's, there's still something deeper under that layer that it is not being confronted. And this is, this is a hard conversation to have. This is a heavy conversation to have, but there is like still something that's not being fulfilled within the soul, within the energy body that then foods, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, is just um, filling that void for now and temporarily that we may be able to find in like this other way. And I think for a lot of people, it's really fucking scary 
really, really scary to be like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll just peel back the layers of my soul to figure out what is it that I'm not, you know, receiving in my life. Do I not love myself? Um, so I think it's it's definitely like something that requires courage and bravery. But can you speak a little bit to that, Brie, as far as like, I know part of it was like your body was like, hey girl, you've got to make some changes if you want to, to live and to be healthy. But was there anything else that like really um, like wrestled up some of that bravery and courage for you to peel back the layers? Yeah, I was, I was sick and tired of feeling like a victim all the time. Yeah. Um, for me, it, it was, I never had a voice. I felt like it was time for me to finally be vulnerable and peel away the weight in a way that was scary as hell all the time. I was terrified because I didn't know what it was going to be like. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like I was a college athlete and I knew what it was like to feel healthy and, and good in my skin. I had no idea. And, um, but I knew that I was very, very passive mm-hmm. in life. I was very quiet. I never used my voice. And food was what I would turn to when someone would hurt me, when someone would abuse me, when someone would neglect me. And I was sick and tired of that, that Mm -hmm. feeling of not being enough. And while my body was completely fighting me, it really was a decision in my mind that I deserve better than this. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to do the hard work. I mean, and I hated every minute of it. I did some intensive trauma therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done so much inner work to just really trust that I can be who I am and it's perfectly fine and I don't need to hide behind anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, throughout this journey, so many people have watched my transformation and have been influenced by it at a level that I never really expected. Yeah. And so now it's, it's given me the tools to, to really help them, to, you know, help teach them how to be brave too. But Mm-hmm. For me, it was, I was, I was sick and tired of feeling like a victim and I was mm-hmm. tired of being hurt. And mm-hmm. until you learn to use your voice, you're going to continue to get hurt. You're going to continue to have these things happen to you in life. I love that. I think that's really powerful what you just said and and for so many of us to realize. So, so thank you. Uh, you also wrote that we should never be ashamed of our story. And, and so, you know, you're a coach now too. And, and so how, how can we as, as women, men and women really start to own our story and, and find gratitude for it and what it's taught us instead of um, feeling ashamed of it. Like some of us may, may feel that way. Yeah. Um, that's a great question because I see so many people try to hide behind their stories and um, what people need to realize is that while they may be a victim of something bad that happened to them, they don't have to, to use that as a crutch to stay hidden. Mm -hmm. They need to use that as a tool to speak up Mm -hmm. because there are so many people in this world that have been through the exact same thing or similar that they have. And they're just waiting for someone to come along with them and say, I've been there too. Let me help you. Mm-hmm. And, but we feel so alone and so ashamed when bad things have happened to us, whether we've been bullied or we've been abused or neglected. And, um, we feel like we did something wrong to cause those things to happen. 
And until you release yourself from that guilt and you give yourself permission to say, no, I did not do anything to cause this, then you're really going to continue to stay hidden under that situation that happened to you. Yeah. It's, I, I, I'd love to bring the conversation back a little bit to the PTSD and sexual abuse too, because I know in, I haven't shared too much of this publicly, but like I, I have shared some extent of like sexual assault that I experienced. And I know that when it first happened and I first started to, to process and heal from it, there was, I was so embarrassed. I was just so embarrassed. I thought it was all my fault. I put myself in a situation that I shouldn't have put myself in and all these things on like, maybe I'm interpreting this the wrong, you know, I just thought this is all my fault. And so I was ashamed and I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed about it. And as a result, it's it, number one, there was PTSD to follow that as, as well. But also it changed my relationship to the world in some ways. Cause I thought like, number one, I'm embarrassed. I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't show this part of who I am. Uh, and it, it reinforced this belief that the, the world was a scary place and that I should always be afraid and I, you know, always have my guard up around people. Uh, I think it can also dictate and change your relationship to food after you've experienced trauma like that. So Brie, can you, can you share a little bit about that experience that you've been through if you feel comfortable and just how that, that shaped you moving forward potentially in a negative way, but then also in a positive way? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I was, it's interesting. Um, so back, back in 2010, when I started on my journey, um, I was married at the time and I went through a transformative journey and, and lost about the first hundred pounds while I was still married. Mm-hmm. And I tested for the police department. I got through to the interviews and my husband at the time told me, I never thought you could do it. And I don't think I can be married to a police officer because it's demasculating. Hmm. And so I had just done so much work to make myself better and to try to heal what I thought was, you know, a bad relationship with food and fitness. And, and then my husband is, doesn't love me enough to stay with me. Right. Mm-hmm. So while I was going through a divorce, um, I then became victim to my boss who was basically trying to console me over this divorce I was going through. And he, he played on that. He groomed me and I did not know what was going on when it was happening, but he was this older successful salesman who, you know, had fancy car, the fancy house, made a lot of money. And, and I'm like, well, why is he paying attention to me? Little old me. Right. And I continued to lose weight. I continued to get healthy. And then he sexually abused me many, many times. And I was stuck in this hole because he told me I'd lose my job. If I told anybody, I believed him. Then when I finally did tell somebody, they didn't believe me. Mm. And this was back before the whole big Me Too movement. (laughs) If only this happened this year, right? Eight years ago. Um, And so, so 
there, my husband didn't love me. My boss took advantage of me. Then after that, I went into a long-term relationship for about three years. A man I loved to pieces. I thought I was going to marry. He cheated on me and left. Mm -hmm. So I'm going through these series of, of events in my life where I'm getting healthier. I'm doing things for me and starting to speak up and use my voice. Mm-hmm. And it seems like right when I get to the peak of another step, another hurdle that I'm going for, something, something bad happens. So it would be very easy for me to, to now in, the, in the, the life that I'm in now to say, nope, I'm not going to keep working on this relationship with food. I'm not going to keep making this daily choice. And I'm just going to go back to being heavy because that kept me safe. Right. Nothing changed in my life until I started working on my relationship with food. Mm -hmm. So it can be a total like mind fuck. Sorry for the word, but it can totally screw with your mind because you think I'm going to go back to what's safe. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't play safe anymore because being safe does not keep me happy. Mm -hmm. And so no matter what I went through and no matter how many times it happened, I am so much happier in life right now than I ever was before. Yeah. And no matter what happened to me then, I just know every day I'm going to make the choice to keep working on this. And my relationship with food is, is, is continual. It, it's going to continue to be a daily choice. It's going to continue to be something that I have to remind myself that, that this is not a thing for me anymore. You know, it, when, you're, when you go through PTSD or any kind of trauma, um, the way you work to heal that is recognizing what's past and what's current. And, and I have to stay in the present. Otherwise yeah. your mind just plays tricks on you. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. But. No, it does. It, like, like you said, you're in this amazing place in your life now. Uh, and that's when I look back, I'm like, I actually learned a lot. I also learned freaking forgiveness like that my experience with that this man like I never called him up on the phone and said I forgive you but I energetically forgave him for what he did and that was a huge lesson for me to learn how to truly forgive like one of those people who's done the the worst to you in your life And, and that was a hard lesson but it's also something I'm really really grateful for uh I think I'm I'm better at forgiving the small things now as well so there's these this this good that, that did come from something that, you know, seemingly is, is really horrible. Bringing it back to food a little bit too. So, you know, I think that probably the, the people listening can resonate at least just to part of what, one of our stories, right? Whether it's the anxiety around food after elimination diet or not loving ourselves and, and using food as this protection blanket of, or not being want, wanting to be seen and, and so carrying weight in, in that sense. And whatever any, you know, your story is, whoever's listening, whatever your story and your unique story is, uh, I think that there's ways for all of us to heal from this food anxiety. So Brie, when you start to work with, with some of your clients now and in your work today, uh, wh- where's the starting point for you? Or, or what advice would you give to someone listening who is seeing themselves and y- your story today? And, and where would they start? So I think starting with a commitment to being honest and being vulnerable with me as their coach or whoever they're working with is, is kind of the expectation up front. They have to be willing 
to be vulnerable because we're going to work on a lot of inner inner demons that are inside that are keeping them stuck in this roller coaster of emotions with food. And, you know, many of them ask me, what's different this time? Why is this going to work this time? Because I've tried a million diets under the sun, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, and this isn't going to me, but it's going to the situation. I've been where they're at. I've tried everything under the sun and continued to basically sabotage myself into failing every time over and over. And it's because you're scared. You're scared of the unknown. You're scared of what's going to happen. And you don't trust it yet because you don't know how it's going to go. So you have to release control. You have to be vulnerable. Um, But one thing that I incorporate into my practice that may be a little bit different from others is I do help them replace the emotions that they have with the food attachment with blends for essential oils. Mm -hmm. So I custom make blends for them based on their journey, based on what emotions Mm -hmm. they're dealing with. And it's a practice that I teach them that I, I see basically if you're having a stressful day, if you're, you know, in tears over something, normally you'd go to food. What is that food for you? We define it for them. Usually it's chocolate or Diet Cokes or donuts or something, right? Instead of going to that item, you're going to go someplace quiet. You're going to sit down. You're going to do some breathing exercises and you're going to use your oils. Mm-hmm. It is a lovely, like, just it's a beautiful journey that I see all of them go on and it every time it happens and it clicks for them and they realize that they can control this craving Mm -hmm. with something that's healing for them I mean it almost brings me to tears every time when they finally get it and they trust the process and then they can move on to the next step in the program but they first have to trust the process and this is kind of the door that opens that up for them I have that tattoo on my arm. It says, I trust the process. It's my, <laughs> really? my, um, my brother's handwriting from one of his oh. journals that we found. So it's a really special tattoo, but it's also just a guiding, like guidepost in my life, right? Mm-hmm. Trusting the process, trust, 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 trust. Because when we, we're not trusting, we're oftentimes in that fear state and we're trying to control every fucking little thing in our life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and control is an illusion anyways. We don't actually have control. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brie, I'd love for the people who are, are visual and listening, including myself, I'm a visual learner here. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a snapshot of your personal journey with food. So what kind of, starting with like the, the pre-weight loss, like what, what did your food look like? And then maybe when you were kind of in the midst of this anxiety after food elimination diet, and then what does it look like today? So we can get a sense of like how that's changed for you with the disclaimer that everybody is, every body is unique and has unique needs, but just as an example of kind of the journey you've come from and through, and then where you are now with the way you eat or or how you choose your food today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, absolute disclaimer on bio-individuality here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we are all very different human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what works for me, I always tell my clients will not necessarily work for them. Exactly. But, oh goodness. So I am a Texas girl. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the South. I now live in Washington in like hippie town, USA, but I grew up in the South. And so everything we ate was covered in butter, fried 
five times over mm-hmm. and you've never had a meal without a Coke in your hand. So <laughs> okay. I kid you not, I didn't know how to cook until I was probably 25. Mm-hmm. Um, I, everything was fast food. That's just how I grew up. That's how my family grew up. Um, most of my family is diabetic, obese, obese, overweight, um, very sick. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't even know. And I actually became quite angry at one point in my life throughout this journey. Why didn't I know how to eat right? Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't know any better. And that yeah. sounds so ignorant, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I, you know, started having to lose weight, I didn't even know where to start. So I did what my trainers told me to do. And most of that had to do with, um, it was a CrossFit world. So it was paleo diet, typically what they make you go on or they suggest that you go on. They don't make you do anything. Um, (laughs) you know, and, and so I went from eating fried foods, fast food all the time to a very strict paleo, almost whole 30 regimen. And so of course the weight came off. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of logic. But um, throughout that process, I, that's when a lot of the food anxiety came because I felt like if I ever go off of that, then I am going to gain all the weight back. I was yeah. always scared of gaining all the way back. Um, I also went through major body dysmorphia. So I didn't see my body in the mirror the way that everybody else did. So yeah. it was really messed up in your head. So I went on to paleo. Then I decided I was having all of these hormonal issues and the thyroid issues. So I'm going to do AIP for a little while. And that just about made me go crazy because it's <laughs> so freaking strict. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Um, I couldn't. And, and so every time I'd cycle through trying something new, I would also be triggered into binges. Mm-hmm. So I do paleo for a while, then I would freak out, get exhausted, and I would just eat like shit for like a week, and then I would feel like I need to go to the hospital because I feel so bad. Mm-hmm. So um, it wasn't until my achalasia diagnosis um, in January of 2017 where I was forced to basically not eat anything or drink anything that I had control over mm-hmm. when I realized why am I following all of these plans that all these people who are not me are telling me to follow? Mm -hmm. I know that they mean well, but they truly believe that the only way to be a good CrossFitter is to be paleo or the only way to, you know, lose all this weight is to, to go whole 30. Well, they don't know what's going on in my life. They don't know the stresses I have. They don't know the abuse I've gone through. They don't know the trauma I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. So why am I taking their word basically as principle when they're not me? So I started to really reflect inside and listen to my body. Mm-hmm. And when, when do I feel the happiest? When am I eating when I feel content and calm and I don't have any inflammation in my body? What is that for me? What does that look like for me? Is that salads? Is that juices? Is that smoothie bowls? I mean, what is it for me that makes me feel happy, Mm -hmm. but does not cause any negative effects? Yeah. So the way I eat today is very intuitive. Mm -hmm. I eat when I'm hungry and I eat things that I find happiness in. 
-hmm. And it's not a happiness like a sugar happy. It's not like a crutch happy. It's, it's like I'm going to make – I'm going to spend 10 minutes making the most glorious-looking smoothie bowl because it's cold and I like cold food and it tastes good and it looks pretty, mm -hmm. right? But it's full of superfoods and vitamins and minerals and all these things that my body needs. Mm -hmm. Plus, I can eat it and swallow it well because it's soft and, mm -hmm. it, you know, it goes down easy. So I know that I need to focus on a balance between – you know, fats and carbs and proteins, but I don't focus on that stuff anymore because mm -hmm. that will stress me out and that will trigger the food anxiety like nobody's business. And so now I listen to my body and yeah. some days maybe I'm eating all chicken and rice and the next day I might be eating smoothie bowls for a few days because that's just what feels good and that's what tastes good. Yeah. So it's, I know that that I, I know that people probably are listening and they want like a cut and dry plan on what they should do. And I'm here to say that um, I can't give you that because we're all different, but it's also okay. Right. And I, I had to become okay with being someone in the fitness industry saying, I don't eat like you. Mm -hmm. And that, that's okay. That doesn't make me wrong. Definitely. Definitely. And there's so much judgment. There's that's a whole other conversation, but there's so much judgment yeah. around food, and oh my god, you're eating that, or I would never eat that, and it's it's just it's absurd, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. All the judgment around around what other people are eating when we truly are just we have you know unique needs, and mm -hmm. uh, I know my experience right now in my life is that I'm on this low oxalate diet. And, um, I cannot, there have been zero people who have said, oh yeah, oxalates. I know what those are <laughs> because what the heck, right? Those are, that's like the weirdest word. No one knows what an oxalate is. And so I'm like, I'm on a low oxalate <laughs> diet. And they're like, what? But I, I have to just like let myself still choose that diet because I know that based on my lab testing, I have high oxalate levels and I personally do well on a low oxalate diet. Does that mean that you can't eat chocolate and spinach and celery and asparagus, like all these things, right? No, it just means that I can't eat them right now. So there yeah. can oftentimes be a lot of judgment around that. Um, there, there definitely is, especially if you're trying to bring on new business and new clients and you have mm -hmm. coach friends and they're like, what are you recommending? You know? <laughs> yeah. But it's well, like the opposite of, in, well, so this, that structure that people maybe are craving right now is a very masculine energy. It's like, I wanted to do this. Give me the one, two, three meal plan recipes, blah, blah, blah. And that works for some people. And for other people, you need that feminine touch, that feminine energy that is flowing, that is organic, that is intuitive, that is listening to your body and asking your body what it wants instead of what that book says that you should have. And mm -hmm. I have found personally that that's also worked better for me. Um, but also you can blend them, right? So I think of it, and you uh -huh. kind of were describing this where it's like, you have probably like your, your no, no list. Like you said, mm -hmm. like you, like you don't eat gluten, gluten and dairy. Yeah, I like, stay away from those are and, no's and high sodium foods. I stay away from cause I, I retain water because of how much weight I've lost. Yeah. I have, I have edema in certain, certain areas of my uh -huh. life. So 
So there's yeah. like this kind of like overarching structure, but then within the foods that you can eat, it's like, I'm going to eat what I want to today. Like I don't have to follow any certain, certain structure. So I think it's beautiful to kind of blend that masculine and feminine energy into the way we eat and, and intuitive yeah. eating as well. And You're I, at the top I, of, oh, go ahead. Oh, so I was going to say, I do think it's important for people to remember that um, their body changes. Yeah. So it, it gets very frustrating for clients sometimes when they're like, well, but this, this worked for me and this is how I lost all my weight and I want to go back to this. And it's like, well, what has happened in your life the last five years since then? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what used to work for you then mm-hmm. might not work now and that's okay. Yeah. That our gut bacteria is always changing. Our, our nutritional needs are changing. It's like, so, you know, I do business coaching too. And they say in business and like when you're building a business, what got you to where you are today is not going to get to you to where, you know, say you got you to a 5k month. It's not going to get you to your 10k month. Well, what made you lose your 50, first 50 pounds might not be exactly what you need to lose the additional 50 pounds. And so it's, it is, it's, it's, um, our needs are really unique. Uh, and I think that we, we go back to trusting the process, right. And allowing it to change and evolve as our bodies change and evolve as well. So we're at the top of our time, but I would love to open the floor to you. If there's anything you feel like you weren't able to speak on today that you want the the listeners to, to know, to hear, you think they need to hear uh, or anything else that you might want to add. I think that I just want people to hear that they don't need to be afraid mm-hmm. of facing whatever it is that food is keeping them safe from mm-hmm. because it, it's, com- it's so scary to start peeling away those layers of emotional eating because you are perhaps and probably likely opening up the door to past traumas in your life. You're opening up the door to perhaps a lot of need for self-love and it's not the easiest work to in the world to do you know it's not always pretty but if they really are ready to change that's what you have to do like if you really want to break this emotional eating cycle it's time to to just dive in and figure out what it is that that you're lacking because the food while it's always going to be there it's also going to be what eventually kills you like mm-hmm. you need to live a happy and fulfilled life and not constantly be thinking about what you're going to put in your mouth next. Yeah. I love that. Release that control of food over you. Brie, how can people find you, work with you, follow you? Um, so I have a website. It's tigerstripesearned.com. I'm also on Instagram, same handle, tigerstripesearned, and they can find all of my information on there. I do have some resources for trauma recovery, the Achalasia Foundation, and different uh, parenting resources as well for people Mm -hmm. who have children with anxiety like I do. I love that. Thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and just sharing your story and being vulnerable with all of us today. I appreciate it so much, Brie. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I am beyond honored to hold this space for you, to create this content for you, and to stimulate our brains and make us think in a different way, including me. This podcast has shifted the way I have thought as well. And 
If there's anything that you took away from this episode or any other episode, I would be so honored and grateful if you would share that with me on social media, either through a personal message or put it in your Instagram story, tag autoimmune tribe, and know that we're in this together, that this is truly a community, that our paths are interwoven for a reason, and that we get this beautiful opportunity to come together for the greater healing of all of our unique bodies. So if you loved this episode or any of the other episodes of the Healing Uncensored podcast, please share them with a friend, a loved one, an acquaintance. You never, never know whose life you might be impacting or changing with just a simple share. That's all for now, tribe. I will see you next time. Have a beautiful rest of your day. I love you so much.